the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Over the past couple of programs, we have understood what it meant to be consecrated to the Lord and how God uses His mercy to do that. From consecration to dedicated bodies, that's straight ahead on Abounding Grace. Join us. And again, welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Today, we are back in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, looking at the call to dedicate ourselves to the Lord, wholly, completely, and what that looks like. We invite you to spend time with us as we are encouraged from the Apostle Paul here in Romans 12. With today's edition of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Dedicated bodies. We looked at the first half of verse 1 last week, and I think we would all confess today that God's mercy has been in our life this past week. We have sinned against the Lord in many, many ways. We have not walked before Him as we should, and if just this one snapshot of our lives from this week was used to be judged for us to be judged by, we would be condemned forever. It is by the Lord's mercies alone that we are not consumed. Now, since he has been so merciful to us, we are to present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. It's interesting that he would focus on the body. It may very well be, and I think the idea is certainly included, that by mentioning our bodies, he is also including everything about us, body, soul, strength, and mind. It's not as if God just saved our immaterial aspect, the soul or the spirit. The church has often been infected with the kind of spiritualistic, anti-material understanding of salvation. And some have said, you really can't serve God unless you completely get out of the world and become a monk or a nun. And of course, the modern expression of this is, well, if you really want to be a solid Christian, you need to devote yourself to full-time Christian service. As if you can't be a Christian businessman or a Christian doctor, or a Christian pastry chef. But what this verse really teaches is that every single true Christian, everyone who has tasted that the Lord is merciful, will immediately and instantly devote themselves to full-time Christian service in whatever field you may be employed in. It may be in a hospital. It may be in a school. It may be working in the fields. It may be in an office in a tall building in downtown San Jose. 
It may be as a housewife. But every single Christian who has tasted that the Lord is merciful doesn't divide life into over here, I really serve God. But over here, there's kind of mundane. And only the plebes are there. No, every area of life is to be voted to full-time Christian service. Every area, beloved. Therefore, we need to remember that the body and the physical world in which we live are important. Turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Our physical body is a vital element to our constitution or our human makeup. Absolutely vital. Without it, we would not be us. Without it, we wouldn't be men and women made in God's image. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we read, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul or being. Man's body was lovingly, deliberately, painstakingly, from one perspective, fashioned by the hand of God. And then he kissed you and breathed into your mouth the breath of life, and you became alive. We've got to get rid of the idea that the body doesn't matter, that men just evolve from primordial soups. No, the body matters because God lovingly fashioned our bodies deliberately. He said, let us make man in our image. This is the language of majesty. It is because God made us like this that our bodies matter. And therefore, our lives in this world matter. Now, you might say, yeah, but the body's going to die. Well, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yes, the body will die because of our sinfulness. There's no doubt about it that every one of us in the Lord will die, but it is only due to sin that the body dissolves and deteriorates and weakens over time and then expires. And even though our spirits at death will be in the presence of the Lord, that is not the natural state for us as men and women. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building from God, a home not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house or our body, which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we will not be found naked. For that we are in this tabernacle, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up by life. You see, the body's weakness in death is not due to any deficiency in matters that many philosophers have taught and many blind men have taught. No, the Christian doesn't desire to be free from the prisonhood of the body. We desire to be delivered from the body of this death. Yes, the body as it has fallen into sin. But that applies equally 
to our mind, to our will, and to our emotions. And Paul here says, we want to be whole again. He is like, yes, it will be great to depart and be with Christ, but where is my body? It's as much a part of me as my mind and my will and my emotions. And I can't wait to have my earthly tabernacle, the resurrection body, the heavenly perfected body that God gives us so that we can serve him forever. So the Christian's view of the body is not the desire to be free from it. But back to Romans chapter 8 verse 23. We desire its full redemption. It's perfection so that we can serve God whole forever. Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but we ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body. Now, all of this is simply something you should already know. Because the resurrection is central to the Christian faith. Without a belief in a literal bodily resurrection from the dead, there is no gospel. There is no Christianity. You can believe in all the myths of liberalism if you want to. But I've got better things myself to do. I outgrew Bugs Bunny and Peter Pan and Easter as a time to celebrate the life you find within yourself a long time ago. And unless there is a literal, physical, bodily resurrection from the dead, we have no hope. Christ died in vain. We're still dead in our sins. And what is worse, Paul says... We made God out to be a liar because we tell men that God did raise his son from the dead and therefore he will raise us from the dead, which if the dead do not rise, then Christ didn't rise. And if Christ did not rise, then we are still dead in our sins. So the resurrection is central to the Christian gospel because only at the resurrection Will our bodies be raised in perfection and be united to our soul and spirit once again so that we are whole as we were intended to be and then we can serve God forever. Therefore, back to Romans 12.1. We are to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. This may be one of the most challenging aspects of Christian discipleship and consecration. Our bodies must be devoted to God. This is one reason why we can never yield to bodily vices, sexual impurity of various forms. Turn again, or turn once to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. God's will is for us to learn how to possess our vessels, our physical bodies in self-control, sanctification and honor. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, 
that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence or filthy cravings, even as the Gentiles which know not God. So why can't we just freely pair up with who we want to as men do today? Why, young people, do your parents say, you know what? You don't need to spend a lot of time unsupervised, perhaps no unsupervised time alone with the opposite sex. Why is that carefully monitored in many of our homes? Why do we not and should not as Christians endorse indiscriminate mingling of our young people? Is it because sex is bad? No, it is because our bodies do not belong to us. They belong to God. And we are not free to use them as we want to. Jesus purchased them by his own blood. And therefore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 and back to Romans 12, we are to present them to God. So this includes our sexual consecration, bodily, physically, to God. He claims it for himself. We cannot think as many do today that as long as God rules in my heart, I can do what I want to with my body. Or I can do what I want to on the outside. And of course, you know what the comeback is to that. They say, well, you can't see my heart. And one comeback to that is, no, I can't see your heart. But what you are doing is screaming so loudly at me that it is deafening. And plus, the heart is turned inside out by the way we live. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So don't ever fall back onto, you don't know my heart. Oh, yes, I do. Now, not perfectly, not as God does. But words, choices, decisions that you make reveal the character of your heart. We see that on the Lord's own authority. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, this foolishness existed even the day of the apostles in Corinth. I won't turn to any references at this time, but you remember that there were some in Corinth who were saying, Oh, we love Jesus. But they were openly engaged in immorality. And those in the congregation knew it. That's why Paul openly addressed the issue. Others were saying, hey, I can go back to the idol's temple and I can still come to the Lord's Supper. Why did they say this? Because they had imbibed this dualistic way of thinking. That as long as my soul my spirit is dedicated to God, then I can do whatever I want to do with my body. It doesn't matter. My body is my inferior element anyway. But of course, for others, it led into a hyper-spirituality. And I think many women in Corinth fell into this. Their motto was 1 Corinthians 7.1. It is is good for a man not to touch a woman. And therefore... We don't have to engage in conjugal relations with our husbands because that is not spiritual. 
And then in 1 Corinthians 7, it says, we can divorce our husbands because we can serve God better in singleness than in marriage. Paul, at this point, is pulling out his hair, saying, women, you don't own your own body. Men, you don't own your own body. For if you are married, your bodies belong to each other. So fulfill your sexual responsibilities. Do so regularly and do so joyfully. If you don't, you are in sin, period. You are in sin. And don't divorce your husband just because he's an unbeliever. Seek to sanctify him by your godliness. You see, they bought into this. Well, the body doesn't really matter. It is the spirit that matters. So I need to do what I can do to really be free. What we would call today my own spirituality, my personal walk with God. I do not care for that word, spirituality. I just wish we could get rid of it really altogether. But I know it is meant to capture something very important. But I'm afraid very often when we use the word spirituality, we mean my 30 minutes of devotion in the prayer closet. But the other 23 hours and 30 minutes, I do pretty much as I want to do. Instead of what it says here, everything is to be devoted to God, including our bodies. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to look at this one verse just to show you how we are to think of this. 1 Corinthians 6.18. He says again here, flee fornication. Run away from it. Don't fight it. Don't try to argue with it. Don't try to rationalize it. Well, this really isn't fornication. This isn't really going too far. No, flee it. Run from it. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. Now, if the body really didn't matter, it wouldn't matter if we sinned against the body. But the body does matter. And therefore, we mustn't sin against it. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? There is another reason why we can't sin against it. It is because the body is where the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Do you know not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Do you believe that about yourself? You do not belong to you. Why? Verse 20. For we are bought with a price. And what was that price? The precious blood of Christ. My friends, we have been bought with a very, very high price. Now notice Paul's conclusion. Therefore, glorify God. Is that just in your spirit by going on mission trips and having good spiritual times together? But if you say things like, oh my God, and fornicate and look at pornography on the internet, it doesn't really matter because the body doesn't matter anyway. 
I don't know about you, but that's not in my translation. It says, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you'll see another comprehensive way the apostle looked at this. May the God of peace sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, or entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved completely. I ask you, do you think he could have covered any more parts? Would it have been clearer to us if he would have said your toenails, your nose hairs, your eyebrows, your spiritual column? I pray that the, that the God of peace sanctify you wholly, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's everything about us. You might ask, God wants my toes? Well, they really are pretty crooked. Yeah, but he wants them. I walk with a limp. God doesn't care. One day he's going to take that limp away, and until then, he wants you to serve him with your body, with your limp. Well, I've only completed the third grade. God says, keep reading and learn some more. And hopefully you will grow in your ability. But whatsoever you have, you serve me. Body, soul, strength, and mind. Every bit of you. Why? He says, because I bought you. I sent my son to die for you. Do you love me for my mercy? You know, we are to dedicate ourselves to God, back to Romans 12, by carrying ourselves as his image bears. This is one of the reasons Christians should not get tattoos, dress slovenly or immodestly, or get our fashion marching orders from the dead culture. Because we simply are not free to do with our bodies, clothe our bodies, mark our bodies like we want to. No, we are not free to do so. We can't. God has purchased us completely through the blood of his son. Now, I realize in our culture, the bizarre is becoming the normal. But that only means that the lunatics are managing the asylum. It doesn't mean we need to join up with them. Plus, the more this happens and the more our culture burns out, Christians who dress with dignity, Christians who speak with dignity... Christians who can still tell what color they are because they are not covered in ink will be a testimony to, I know it's all chaos over there where you are in the city of man, but over here in the city of God there is order and there is light. You see, the reason Christians are very often tempted to live and dress and carry and think of themselves this way is because they have at least one foot, maybe a foot and a half, over here in the world, and they're thinking, boy, that's cool. I wish I could be like that. I wish I could draw that attention to myself. You might say, no, no, this is just me, and I have heard this so many times, beloved, listening to young people and adults say, no, I don't want to be like everyone else. I just want to be me because I like this. 
But that is the wrong attitude. That could just be more selfishness than just wanting to fit in. The real question is, does this please God? And since he has purchased our bodies for himself, and they are to be dedicated to him, we can't do with them like we want to do. We can't treat our eyes and our ears like we want to, bringing things before us, corrupting them with what we see and what we hear. We're not free to do that. Our eyes and our ears belong to God. So what come in, comes in needs to be pleasing to Him. Young people and adults alike, we need to be hearing God's Word and not listening to the world's devil music. Now granted, I realize, and don't take me the wrong way, I am not a Fundy Monday on a lot of those kinds of things. But I am fundamental on this. God owns your ears. Therefore, only He can determine what the right things are for you to put into your ears. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.